like to share a few thoughts on the sovereignty of God and man's free will and the uh, the contention or the seeming uh, paradox between the two, the unsolvable dilemma of trying to reconcile the sovereignty of God with salvation and a man's free will and responsibility. Now, right from the top, I'd like to say that I've been greatly influenced by teachings of John MacArthur, who is a, a staunch Calvinist. There are some things about the Calvinist Reformed theology and doctrine that I, I just don't, I can't figure out who can. And, um, and, of course, there's things about the debate between Calvinism and Arminianism. I was talking about this with a pastor one time, and he said he'd come to the conclusion that he was a Calvinian. And uh, immediately, of course, I got his the drift of what he was saying. In other words, there's some things about Reformed Calvinistic uh, doctrine that are absolutely supported in Scripture. And there's some things about Armenian free will that are supported in Scripture. So there, there is a topic that has been debated for centuries. And John MacArthur spends a great deal of time in many of his sermons covering these issues and trying to, as best as humanly possible, fitting into, fit them into some sort of a framework that we can hold the two truths together without uh, having our heads explode and without being uh, contradictory. I think the thing, as far as uh, MacArthur Reformed teaching goes, and as far as the Bible goes, the way that I see it, too, is this, that you got to start with, with God and with God being sovereign. God is God. He, is, uh, he made us. He made the entire universe. He didn't consult any of us when he made it. We weren't even around. And so I have to go with the fact that God can do whatever God wants to do, and he doesn't need my approval, and he doesn't need me to uh, judge him. I am not God's judge. God is my judge. So I have to start with, with the sovereignty of God because, to me, it makes sense. It just makes sense. I mean, you know, people say, well, God created us to be free creatures and free will. And I can understand partially where they're coming from. The Bible certainly has a lot of scriptures that, that kind of support or that do support the the notion or the idea or the teaching of man has a free will and he chooses whether to believe or not. But there are so many other scriptures that point in the opposite direction, that man is totally depraved, totally in sin, and if it wasn't for God's grace calling people to himself in an, what what the Reformed people call the effectual call, if it wasn't for God working on somebody's heart, nobody would believe in Christ. Certainly in my case, that's the truth. This is subjective as far as my experience is concerned. But I, even when people, I was searching for the unknown God. I mean, I was crying out to heaven, show me what you are. You know, I'll do anything. It didn't, it, that didn't include Jesus Christ. Uh, he wasn't even on my radar screen to consider until such time that I was so desperate that I looked up into the sky and said, God, if you're real, show me and I'll do whatever it is. And it was shortly after that that, Jesus Christ became, I became aware of Jesus Christ in a way that I never had been before, opened my eyes, 
And uh, something happened, and it was at that point that Jesus Christ entered into my uh, consciousness as the person to whom my soul would give an account. Now, I didn't want Jesus, and I didn't want the implications of being a Christian. I didn't want to give up sin. I didn't. I loved my pleasures. I loved my sin. And I knew that, you know, if you're going to be a Christian, you can't do all that stuff. So I didn't want it. Even though I believed that Jesus, I didn't have a real strong, a real deep understanding of who Jesus was. But at least I knew that he was the guy whom he was sent from God. And uh, he was the answer to my searching. The problem is, is I didn't like the answer. Now, Look at people. I didn't want Jesus Christ. I didn't want Jesus. Jesus was, quote-unquote, forced upon me. God corralled me. Sometimes uh, animals, livestock, they don't want to go under the corral. The shepherds, they have these sheepdogs, and they corral these unruly, stupid sheep, and they finally get them corralled to where the only choice they have left is to go into the corral and through the gate. That is kind of the way it was with me. I was corralled by God, supposedly against my will. In a sense, it was against my will, but in a sense, it wasn't. What is the choice? The choice is either bow before God and submit or turn around and reject him and go to eternal uh, damnation. Now, what kind of a choice is that? The point I'm trying to make is I, I was an enemy. I felt like an enemy to God. Even before I knew God, I figured I had to be an enemy. Otherwise, I would know God or something. I had this sense that I was on the wrong side of God even before I, I recognized Jesus as the answer to my dilemma. So uh, I was searching for the New Age gurus, Eastern religions, all that kind of stuff. And when Jesus Christ appeared to my consciousness, then uh, that changed the whole ballgame. I knew that he was the answer, and these other guys and these other paths weren't, even though I didn't, I didn't like the path. So this whole thing about God sovereignly choosing people makes total sense to me, makes total sense to my subjective experience. God chose me whether I wanted it or not. I don't see that that restricts man's freedom, so to speak, because in a sense, like MacArthur talks about, if people are left to themselves, they ain't nobody going to come to God. Nobody wants God on their own. And nobody even understands or nobody can even believe on their own. The Apostle Paul makes this clear. God makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear in, in, in the Gospel of John when he says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. So... The fact that it's humanly impossible to come to God without God's revelation and God's calling and assistance, it's, it's totally clear to me. And Jesus said, he said, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Well, being born is something that I don't have anything to do with. So this whole business about accepting Christ and choosing Christ, to me, it just doesn't fit with with the scriptures, with the with the volume of scriptures that point to the reformed kind of sovereign election kind of thing. I just don't want to be so heavy on it that I undermine uh, the fact that we do make choices in life 
what, you know, what was the Apostle Paul's choice? Here he is, he's on the road to Damascus, and he's ready to put, he's going there to put Christians in jail and probably to kill Christians. He was persecuting Christians. And what happened? God God appears to him in a, in a vision, a supernatural vision, that was so strong it knocked him on his, you know, knocked him to the ground, and it blinded him. And he heard this voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And the and voice says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Well, at that moment, what was would have gone through through Paul's through Saul's mind? He said, he says, I'm a dead duck. The, you know, what did he say? He said he knew right away what the deal was, what the score was. He was facing God, and he had been persecuting God's people. He was in trouble. He didn't. Uh, what did he say? He said. What would you have me do? That was total surrender. Now, did God violate his free will? He, you know, he could have turned around and walked away. What was the choice? Turn around and walk away and disobey the voice and go to hell? The fear of God, you know, I mean, the wrath of God. All that stuff is very, very real. And uh, people nowadays don't want to talk about the wrath of God. But the Bible says in our natural unredeemed state, the wrath of God is on us. Just read the first couple chapters of Roman. That lays it all out. The whole world is under God's wrath. So is God unjust? If everybody's going to hell, is God unjust to pick a few out and save them? He doesn't owe anybody anything. The problem with us, the problem with us, in, in especially, I suppose, in Western civilizations, we've never lived under a king. We, especially us Americans, we're so independent. We are so self-righteous and independent. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. But if you lived, uh, well, let's say you lived in Saudi Arabia, and maybe it's loosening up now because of uh, worldwide social pressure. But, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that was an absolute monarch. The guy was an absolute ruler. If you didn't do what he said to do, they cut your head off. There was no qualms. Everybody there knew it. That's the way it was. That's the way it is in a kingdom, especially a kingdom like that. These people did what they wanted to do, and you didn't tell them otherwise. And that's the way it is in the kingdoms uh, in in uh, Saudi Arabia. The king there does what he does because he wants to do it, and nobody's going to tell him different. Uh, Saddam Hussein, a dictator, in all respects a king. While he was in power, he had absolute authority. You bowed down. You didn't argue with him. You didn't cop an attitude. You know, the guy had the power to to cut your head off. So the problem with us Americans is we're just, we're living in fantasy land. Because what the Jesus said, all he, what he talked about is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. God's realm is a kingdom and he is the king, and he is sovereign, and he can do whatever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants, and there's nobody that can tell him any different. And then you're going to call God unjust? God is the epitome of justice. God is just. And, uh, you know, like I've heard MacArthur say, you don't want justice. You don't want justice. If you, if you had justice, you're going to hell, because that's what we all deserve. We want mercy. You know, when somebody does something wrong against us, they uh, wreck our car, they bang, cause an accident, it's their fault. We want justice. We want them to pay for it. 
when somebody commits a crime, we want them to have justice and, and to go to jail. But if we commit a crime, what do we want? We want mercy. We don't want justice. We don't want justice. I don't want to go to prison. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And, that, and, and, and you know, when you go before a judge and, and you're guilty of some crime, the only thing that you can ask for is mercy because that judge is there to give you justice. And whether he or she gives you mercy or not is uh, totally up to them. You are before them, and your only hope, your only plea is mercy. It certainly isn't justice. People that came to Jesus sometimes, you know, they came and they bowed down and they said, Have mercy on me. Would you heal my daughter, heal my son, have mercy on me, and heal my, heal my daughter. That's all they pleaded for. They pleaded for mercy. The blind man, the beggar, have mercy upon me, son of David. And when you come to God, you got to realize that you're so dead in sin that the wrath of God is hanging over you. And the only thing that you do is yell out for mercy and beg for mercy. That's it. Well, we Americans don't want to do that. And we've got this attitude. We've got this attitude because we've never had to live in a, in a kingdom before. And so we don't think that God has a right to punish us. But as I said before, if somebody uh, bangs up our car, we want justice. We want them to pay for it. So we want justice when somebody injures us or grieves us or does something totally offensive to us. Why doesn't God have the right to justice when all of creation or all of humanity is one big offense to him with this wickedness and sin and and everything that is totally, totally uh, his enemy. The fact of the matter is, if people, when a push comes to shove, it's just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees in, religion, in Jesus' day, they trade all kinds of ways to get them out of there, to get them off the scene. They eventually, they had to kill them. And it's the same way today. And it's the same way with us. When push comes to shove, many of us would just as soon kill God as to bow and submit to total sovereign authority. We want to be our own gods, and we want to be our own uh, sovereign. And we're, we're just like that. That's just the way we are. We're rebellious to the core, and we're angry, and we hate God. We might not know that we hate God, but all God has to do is turn up the heat, and we'll find out that we hate God. In the book of Revelation, it says that when all the wrath is being poured out and the different vials and the different cataclysmic events start happening, people are going to be cursing God. Can you believe it? When, when, when judgment is being poured out, people, are, instead of begging for mercy, are going to be cursing God. That's the way the Sadducees were and the Pharisees. They were cursing God. When they were trying to get rid of Jesus, when they were, when they were setting the murderous schemes in place, they were cursing God. They were hating God. They were seeking to destroy God because we get Jesus out of the way. They can continue doing whatever they wanted to do. It's no different with us. When you, when you peel back the layers, uh, the onion, the layers of the onion of our souls, of our very lives, you get down to the very core of what we are, apart from God's redemption and God's grace. We may, we may not look so bad on the outside, and we might, we might not display all the terrible things that we read about and watch on the news. We don't rape and murder and rob and rob banks and do all that kind of stuff. So on the surface, we look okay. But deep down, far lower, far deeper than we can even know, 
go to that very center in the core of our being where God sees. And uh, we're rotten. We're full of viciousness. It's just like on, on top of the planet, you know, seeing things can seem pretty calm, but you go down towards the center and it starts getting hot and pretty soon it starts, you know, you got lava coming out of volcanoes. That shows us what's deep in the center and the core of the earth. It's not peaceful. And that's what it's like in the center of a human nature. It's not peaceful. You just have to push the right buttons for that stuff to come out, just like a volcano. just have to have the right venting, the right situation happen. And then the what's on deep down inside comes out. So I think the people that, that rail against uh, the sovereignty of God and the fact that he chooses some, I think the, the, the real problem is, is they don't, first of all, they don't have any adequate understanding or comprehension of the vileness and evilness of the fallen human heart. We think we're pretty good. And it's only those people that realize how bad they are that call out for God's mercy and God's forgiveness. They understand that it's all God's grace and it's not our own doing, that we don't choose God, he chooses us. And that's a comfort to me. I'm comforted knowing that God has chosen me and that I haven't chosen him. It's kind of like the picture I I imagine of a parent walking their two- to three-year-old child across a very busy intersection in a very busy city. Now you look at them and you can say, well, they're holding each other's hands, and you'd be right. But the real issue is, uh, who are you depending on? Who are we depending on to keep that kid safe? We're depending on the parent's grip on the child rather than the child's grip on the parent. Children can can break loose and chase a cat or a ball or a dog, run out into the middle of an intersection. It's the parent's grip on the child that is doing the work, that is it's doing the assurance of safety. In the same way, I I picture it, I see it as an uh, analogy to, to God's grip on me, to God's grip on those whom he is taking home to heaven. It's his grip on us, not our grip on him. Well, I hope this has helped somebody, and uh, I thank you for listening. If you'd be so kind as to, uh, if you like this, if it's helped you, would you uh, click the like button and also subscribe and um, share this with your friends on your various social media platforms. So until next time, thanks again, and uh, God's grace and his mercy and his peace be with us all.